you know, I've probably made the speech before and knowing my complete lack of memory, it might have even been the very last episode. But one of Mike's favorite things in the world is going off script, particularly at the start of the show. What makes you think that? Well, because you, I know you like having notes and I know you like generally at least starting by following the notes a lot of times. Mm-hmm. And then if we veer, then fine. You know, if it, if it happens naturally, then so be oh, it. Oh, you're being sarcastic? Yeah. Oh, yeah. You love. You sounded very sincere. Oh no, you hate it when I go off off notes, particularly in the beginning, and that's what I would like to do right now. And I and I no, would no, like to drop no, something no, no. on you. I have no problem if you go off the notes because it means you have more content. <laughs> it just has to be worth it. <laughs> well, let's find out, ladies and yeah. gentlemen. All right. Uh, since this show is slowly embracing its inevitable future as the strictly strictly F one podcast. Oh, oh yeah. crap. Okay, so if you have not watched, was it Bahrain? Is that right? Um, Bahrain. Bahrain. If you have not watched the most recent, as we record this on December 1st, if you have not watched the most recent uh, F1 race, then you should probably pause now and watch at least the first 10 minutes of it. Holy smokes, that was that was something. Look, I'm unprepared for this conversation. So am I, to be honest, but here we are. But effectively, in the opening lap of the Bahrain uh, Grand Prix. Uh, one of the... I'm trying to explain this in terms for people that don't watch as well, right? Mm-hmm, because mm-hmm. there'll be people listening. Um, one of the drivers, his name is Romain Grosjean, who, love him, bless him, does have a bit of a history of being a wild driver and getting himself <laughs> into some uh, hairy situations. If you watch Drive to Survive, you'll see a lot of those. He basically ended up in a situation where in a complete freak accident, he drove full speed into some metal barriers and his car immediately exploded. And you saw this live too, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It was, I mean, we just screamed, right? I just figured that he had immediately died. Yep. It was horrifying. Because the car exploded, uh, which, you know, like over the next hour or so of, of of them talking about it waiting for the race to start up again you know they were the, the commentators and everybody were talking about the fact that like this thing just it just doesn't happen anymore the cars are so well protected and they've done so much to stop them from uh catching fire basically but essentially what had happened was i mean the car got literally ripped in half by these barriers there was no front of the car left, um, just the the rear of the car, uh, and it immediately went up in flames. And somehow, via some miracle, Roman escaped with just burns on his hands. And the burns on his hands would have probably come from the thing that saved his life, which is what's called the halo on an F1 car, which is a barrier that kind of uh, circles the top of where their head would be over the cockpit with this pole in the middle, which was apparently quite controversial when it was introduced. And I kind of understand why, because it does look like that thing would obstruct your field of view. Well, not only that, it's objectively ugly, in my opinion. Ah, but that's not, that, that, I don't think the, the drivers cared about the looks. And also, I can understand, there. I think there was an argument about the fact that 
if you were in a crash or your car was on fire, it'd be more tricky to get out of the car because you see it a lot. Like when they're getting out of the car, um, they have to like really pull themselves out on the halo. And I'm sure that's why he got the burns that he did um, is the fact that he had to forcibly pull himself out of the car um, because, you know, you kind of have to jump up like that. But this thing absolutely unequivocally saved his life because his head would have been completely unprotected for the thing from whatever it was going straight at his face. So, you know, it was, I, I watched a, a little clip that Roman put on Instagram. Uh, and he said that he was originally against the halo. Mm, he was one I of the that. people that was against it mm. and then said, now I think it's the best thing that the F1 has ever introduced, <laughs> uh, with, you know, but yeah, it was, absolutely unbelievable to see and you know he was lucky in a million ways like he the the luckiest thing was that it was the first lap of the race because for the first lap of the race the medical car the safety car drives behind so like it, it, it they they it's it's basically done the first lap with them and it's getting ready to pull off so because it was on like corner 3 of the first lap the medical safety car was on the track. So they were able to get to him. And, and you see, I, I don't remember the guy's name now, unfortunately, but like the, the main doctor like ran at him, like basically got him, helped get him over the barrier and, and, you know, also aided in saving his life. It was astounding. And as somebody who, you know, really loves the drama of F1 uh, in the sense of Drive to Survive, the show that they created, you know, it's like they could make probably three seasons of Drive to Survive out of this year. <laughs> um, with this, this will be an episode in and of itself. I'm sure will be the, the Bahrain Grand Prix because also in that Grand Prix, Lance Stroll flipped his car, which I've never seen, and that just at that point just seemed like, okay, what else you got? And then Checo Perez's car set on fire at the end when he <laughs> yeah. was going to take a podium. It was it was bananas. It was an unbelievable Grand Prix, like for 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 drama. And you know, I'm just I like everybody else. I'm just so thankful that Roman was able to escape with injuries that you know they don't even end his career if if he doesn't want them to. I mean, he's probably I'm sure he's done for the season because he needs his hands. <laughs> um, but yeah. Yeah, it was wild to watch. So, uh, you know, I've, we've talked about it on the show, but Declan and I have taken to watching F1 and, and Aaron's been paying more and more attention with each passing week. And so I'm sitting there watching it with him live and I watched this fireball happen at the, you know, at the, at the back of the view that we had at that particular time. And I'm thinking to myself, oh my God, he's dead. There is no question that he is dead. Yeah, I really felt for the commentators in that moment as well. Like as somebody who, you know, I could feel like I can empathize with the job that they have. Because they are also thinking, oh my God, Roman's dead, but they can't say that. Right. Right. And they're trying to like calm everybody, right? <laughs> Including themselves. Exactly. And, and so like them, you know, I, there was some criticism, which I do agree with. And, and I saw a really good quote uh, from uh, Daniel Ricciardo. Where he was saying that that that's the F one or you know whoever it is that's in charge of the replays, they showed it too much. Yeah, that's probably fair. Like they showed that they showed it too much, and he said that like for us as the drivers, we're getting ready to go out there and race again, and you are just showing us on an endless loop this fireball. Mm -hmm. Let alone the fact that it was just tasteful. Like I understand why you would maybe show it once or twice afterwards, right? Like I kind of, I kind of get it, 
um, just to show how he got out or whatever. But it was like an endless loop for an hour or so. And also, I understand in the sense of like, they had to fill the time with something. Right. But I don't think they went about it in the most tasteful way. Like, you know, I understand why they would have, uh, I think the guy's name's Karun, uh, like do a a frame by frame of how it happened. Because I can understand the importance in like seeing how it got to that point because it seemed so freak. Mm-hmm. But they showed the actual collision too many times. It was far too many replays. Um, but, you know, I've got I've got to hand it to the commentators to somehow keeping it together because I don't know how they how you would do that. It seems, you know, yeah, wild. But yeah, it was an unbelievable, just in every sense of the word, an absolutely unbelievable Grand Prix. Yeah, it really was. And, you know, I'm sitting there watching with Declan and, you know, Declan is freshly six, remember, and he's aware that death is a thing, but it's not something that we choose to talk about often. And we've been lucky enough that we haven't been forced to talk about it very much. And so I'm thinking to myself, like, how am I going to explain that this racing driver just died and we watched it happen? Like that's, uh, know, it's, man. it's intense. And then, you know, then I start thinking about, you know, the, I don't remember if it was before or after this, like Grosjean has, and at the time I was wondering if had, you know, two or three kids, I think it's actually three or maybe even four. Um, but I thought he had at least two, like, I cannot imagine being at home and, you know, you say, okay, kids, let's watch daddy race. And then you're watching that, you know, like, oh my God. Well, there's, there's, I remember one, uh, one season of drive to survive. They were following Carlos signs and they were showing his family. Mm. And I remember his mom couldn't watch. Like she (laughs) was so stressed out watching him. And I imagine, I mean, I imagine a lot of the families don't watch the races. I mean, yeah, I would assume not because holy smokes. They do an incredibly dangerous thing. And the way they race is dangerous, right? Like Because they race really close and they dive at each other. (laughs) Right? Right? They do. Like A lot of the races, they try and, they try and like, part of the racing is playing chicken with each other, mm-hmm. right? And that is the sport. That's what it is. But like a lot of sports are like this. Like football is like this, you know? Mm-hmm. Like tackling and, mm-hmm. and like mm-hmm. just trying to shove out of the way and keep with the ball. But they are in huge pieces of metal and carbon fiber that have gas tanks in them and they're going at hundreds of miles an hour. Like that's the sport. So it's an, it, you know, it is the thing that they've said. I mean, every single person said it uh, on Sunday a million times over. They put their life on the line every time they get in the car. You know, like it, mm-hmm. it was like the soundbite that they say, but it's true. You know, and they're like, you know, we see it today. It is worth noting that, like, by the time this episode comes out, there will have been another Bahrain Grand Prix, which now, <laughs> unfortunately, my boy Lewis Hamilton, he's got COVID, which I'm really upset about. Yeah. Yeah. So he's probably Lewis will probably miss the rest of the season now. I mean, he is already the champion, but you know, I I love watching him break records every single time. Plus, I just absolutely love his uh, racing style and his how much of a role model he is. Mm -hmm. He's actually become like quite a role model for me personally. 
over the last year as well, which I think is something I don't want to talk about right now, but we'll want to talk about soon because I do feel like that, but I need to like assemble my my thoughts. Like the main thing is just how he has used this year to really use his platform for good. And I've really valued that. And it's been an interesting um interesting lessons, I think, from him. But but yeah, so it's a real shame uh that Lewis is out is probably gonna be out the season now. Yeah, but at least he won. But I mean I hear you, but at least he won. Uh, yeah, you know, it's funny I just you, hope he's okay. You bringing up uh playing chicken and the only time I ever paid attention to F1 prior to starting to watch Drive to, Sur- Drive to Survive, and then I paid some attention to last year's season. I've been paying a lot more attention to this year's season. There was a feature, we've probably spoken about this on the episode. There's a feature in an episode of Top Gear. I don't recall exactly which episode it was. Um, and I think you can find it on YouTube. It was about 10 minutes long. And it was a feature and a tribute to Ayrton Senna, who I think was turning like, what well, would have turned 50 that year or something like that. and. Uh, I watched this and I was riveted by it. It was some of the best. It was like whether or not you like Jeremy Clarkson, I think this was Clarkson at his best. And even if you don't like Jeremy Clarkson, I think you could enjoy this segment. I'm sure you can find it on YouTube. I'll try to remember to put it in the show notes. I've I've found it. I'll put I've found I found a version of it that I'll put in the notes. Excellent. It's worth ten minutes of your time, even if you're not an F1 fan. Um, but you know, I, and I ended up seeing the documentary on Senna, which was like two hours long. And I felt was for my taste was way too long. And, and at the time I didn't think it was very interesting. Um, I, I think if I were to look at it again, I'd probably have a different opinion, but one way or another, you know, they talk about, um, I think it's Martin Brundle, who was one of the commentators is talking mm. to, um, Clarkson about, you know, like dissecting some video of Senna. And I forget exactly what the moment was and I'll probably get the details wrong, but basically there was a race where, if he and one other person, or if, if the other person didn't finish, I think he was going to be the, the world champion. Again, my details are fuzzy, but you know, the, the assumption was he would just try to run the race and try to beat him. And, and what, what Brundle says is if you look, you know, these two cars are hurtling toward a turn and Senna's on the inside. And if he, and he could tell that the other car was on the outside, if I remember correctly, um, Tom in the chat is saying that it was Alan Prost was the other driver, uh, Prost, Prost. Anyway, so point is, uh, Alan and the other cars diving, clearly going to dive, you know, to get the racing line all the way into the very, you know, corner that, that Senna was driving into. And, and Brundle said, look at this video. You know, if, if Senna didn't want to have a crash, you would have seen puffs of smoke as he's stomping on the brakes and, you know, and, and screeching to a halt, but he doesn't, you don't see that. He just drives right into Alan Prost and mm. that, okay, mission accomplished. And then, and Kate had said this in the chat, you know, the, he said something along the lines of, if you, if you see a gap and you don't go for it, then you're not a racing driver. And, mm-hmm. and, and it was just, it, it, it is, I'm way too passive a human being. Like it was a, it was a fascinating perspective as someone who is not like the alpha male most times. Like it was, it yeah. was a very fascinating thing to watch. And again, I cannot recommend these 10 minutes enough. People that aren't aware that Senna did die in a crash. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like what his, you know, he was one of the greatest of all time, and he died uh, on the track, which is one of the things that you know he's remembered for is being one of the few that that have died in the sport. Yeah, um, whilst racing. But yeah, it was a you know, look, I've got to say, this season, it's just been so you know. All right, so like, you know, <laughs> drama aside. Uh, season has been absolutely uh, incredible. Yeah, yeah, it really has been. And for for I think you were paying more attention than I last year, if I recall correctly. But 
for me to be really paying attention for the first time this year. And I think you guys were really dedicated this year. I almost wonder if we've made a mistake because it's been such a wild season as our introduction. I'm, I'm almost, I'm almost scared that, uh, that, you know, the 2021 season is going to be a snoozer by comparison, but yeah, it's been, it's been very, very good. Well, I mean, I think the whole thing about drive to survive and it's drama anyway, is that it's always exciting. Yeah. Good point. Good point. That's why they can make a drama documentary every single year about the sport. There's yeah. always something going on. I mean, and is it next year? Well, over the next two years, the sport's changing so much anyway that it's going to make it interesting in various ways, right? As they bring in the different rules and regulations. Mm-hmm. I think there's like a spending cap 2021. And 2022 is what would have happened in 2021 where there's a new, there's a lot of new rules about the way that the cars can be designed and built and the parts that can be used that should they as they keep saying in the videos when you watch the F1 talk about it should make for more exciting racing it basically just <laughs> means they are trying to shorten the gap between 1 and 20 yeah mm-hmm, mm-hmm. i hear you know it's been it's been a great season and you know i i, I don't want to lose sight of the fact that i i don't really love the term miracle, but I really think it's a miracle that, that Roman was able to walk away. And, you know, I, I brought up earlier that the halo was, is objectively ugly. And I say that not because I disagree with it being there and I didn't before, and I certainly don't now. And whether or not it's aesthetically pleasing is not really important. Again, I really think that you're the only person talking about the aesthetics of no, 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 it. What I, no, no, what I, I'm bringing this up to say, I understand why people were reluctant at first. Like, if, you, right. if you're, if you don't see that it saved this man's life, like, I can understand how you would be like, oh, gross, get that out of here. No way. But once you think about the bigger picture, you immediately realize, my goodness, we have to have it there. And now we see exactly why. And you know, Tom in the chat made a really good point. Uh, you know, he said you can draw a line from Senna's death to remain getting out of that car. And I think that that's very true. And it is still dangerous. It is still taking your life in your hands, but it is a fascinating, uh, it's, it's fascinating to me, the amount of improvements that have been made and how much less likely it is for someone to pass away doing something that they enjoy. Our resident F1 expert, Kate in the chat is pointing out that you are right, that there were objections about the aesthetics. There we go. That's right. All right, so what's awesome these days? This episode is brought to you by Squarespace. You can make your next move with Squarespace. They will let you easily create a website for your next idea or project. They give you all of the tools that you need, uh, including the ability to register a unique domain name, customize a beautiful award-winning template, and so much more. Squarespace is the all-in-one platform that will let you put your next project online. There's nothing to install, nothing to patch, nothing to worry about, nothing to have to upgrade, nothing, because they take care of all of it for you. So my very favorite thing about Squarespace is I don't have to think about how my website is made or how I have to update my website. Squarespace does all of that. All I need to do is go in there and make the content I want to make, present what I want to present. Squarespace have an award-winning 24-7 customer support team as well. So if you do have any questions, they have people there to help you. No matter what type of website you want to make, whether it's personal, whether it's for a business, whether you want to create an online store, you can do all of it in Squarespace. And they have loads of functions. You can send email marketing uh, campaigns with Squarespace now. They really are the 
one-stop shop for personal sites, but also really for business sites as well. They're equally great for both. So go and try it out for yourself today. If you go to squarespace.com slash analog, you can sign up for a free trial, no credit card required to do so. You can go in and build your entire website. Then when you're ready to launch it to the world, you just sign up for one of their plans to start at just $12 a month. But if you use the offer code analog, you will get 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain and show your support for this show. So that is squarespace.com slash analog. And the code analog to get 10% off your first purchase. Our thanks to Squarespace for their continued support of this show and all of Relay FM, Squarespace. Make your next move, make your next website. Can you believe this is the last episode of 2020? Oh, gosh, you're right. I didn't even think about that. Holy smokes. So don't worry, Casey. It's all about to get better. Uh, right? That's what I said at the end of 2019, too. <laughs> January 1st, 2021, everything goes away. That's just what we're all agreeing on, right? Right. That's how it works or something. I am thinking of 2021, in my mind, as the optimistic year. That's how it feels to me. Yeah. I was thinking about this earlier today, and my first thought was, you know, 21's going to be better. It's It's got to be better. I'm pretty sure it has to be better, yeah. But then I thought to myself, well, we looked at the end of 2019 and said, oh, 2020's got to be better, right? It, it's got to be. And then, you know, the, the, the world or God or whomever said, nope, 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 nope. You got more to go. That being said, and God, I hope I don't have to eat these words later. And I'm knocking on my del- delightful relay cube of wood um, that you had sent me years ago. I feel it, it really and truly feels like we are. You, you, what's the phrase? You know, it's always darkest before the dawn or something like that. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's I, I really and truly feel like. It seems like we are going to take a turn for the better. I, I really believe it. And I'm choosing to believe it in part because it's too sad not to. But I really, really think things are looking up. Like initial signs are that things are looking up for 2021. You know, the vaccines seem to be making significant progress. And I read something today that indicates that some vaccines will be like in Virginia and not to say that Virginia is unique. I'm just saying that, you know, like it's locally to me, there are going to be some vaccines being, you know, distributed, injected, what have you um, this month, potentially. It seems like, you know, America did the right thing last month, despite the fact that not all of us are accepting that yet, but it seems like America did the right thing last month. That's looking up. I mean, and now, you know, of course, as I predicted, there's so many things I want to complain about. Oh, I see what you mean now. I really didn't know what you were talking about. You mean the election. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. Because I was like, everything I've seen, America's not doing the right thing with the pandemic, but you'd moved on to another topic. Yeah, sorry. Just with regard to the election. Every, in every mm-hmm. other way, we're disasters as always. Um, so, you know, that's looking good. The, the fact that we are going to have a sane person mostly in the in the White House. And now I can get back to complaining about the more mundane decisions that the president is making, which sounds sounds lovely, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Um, I, things really do feel like they're looking up. And I'm really, really hopeful that I'm not going to eat these words in the future. And I'm really hopeful that this really is the darkness before the dawn and that things are going to be better for everyone. Yeah, I mean, I I mostly do believe that it will, like, I, you know, 
I can't live my life assuming that somehow 2021 is going to be worse than the year that brought a global <laughs> pandemic. Exactly. Like once what is should be and is being called to me and I keep having to just remind myself once in a lifetime, right? Yeah. Uh, let, let's just hope that that's the case. You know, and I figure 2021, we should... Well, one thing that's going to happen is we start with COVID, Right. Mm -hmm. That starts in January. So COVID can't happen again. It's already happening, right? So like we're starting at that baseline of it still being here. And also like in January, still raging, you know, mm -hmm. in the Western world at least. So the expectation would be as 2021 goes on, we should be able to start in certain parts of the world at different times have more normality in our lives again, like back to 2019 in oh, the boy. sense of like what a life looks like. There will be things that will be changed forever, some for the worse, some for the better. Um, you know, like things, you know, like for example, working from home is going to be <laughs> a thing which a lot of people will now be able to do who weren't able to do it before because their company wouldn't let them. Um, and now they'll be able to work from wherever they want to work. Like that's going to be a lasting thing for people or potentially greater access to entertainment you know could could be a lasting thing like there will be things that come from this which would be good there'll be things that will come from this that would be bad you know like in the uk we're seeing an absolute collapse of the high street retail industry which is oh, a real really? shame for people involved. yeah i mean because all right so uh, one of my favorite things that i've heard recently is something that ben thompson said a bunch which is that the pandemic is accelerating trends that were already mm -hmm. moving. Mm -hmm. And the death of the UK high street is one of them because a lot of the traditional companies that sell clothes on the high street are having their lunch eaten by online only brands. Right. 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 So they were already struggling and this has just accelerated it. Right. Because, people aren't going to high street stores mostly because they're closed uh, and then when it comes to them buying online they're choosing their typical online vendors they're not moving to the high street vendor mm -hmm. because the high street vendor was good because you could go try the clothes on right like the department <laughs> stores or whatever sure. but now if you if the playing field is leveled then you go with the either a more relevant brand to you which is an online brand or b the cheaper brand which is an online brand so you know, we're seeing a lot of that here, but it's terrible for the people that are involved in it, but it it's a consumer choice thing, which was, it was moving this way anyway. Like the companies that are going under now were already struggling Yeah, before the pandemic, you know, like things weren't great. So, and then, you know, don't even start about restaurants and stuff i mean there's been yeah. a really good pivot here in london um a lot a lot of the the restaurants that we would have eaten at um have moved to some kind of like meal kit at home like thing which has been awesome and i hope that that remains you know like that the restaurants reopen and you can go to them but they also continue doing their meals as meal kit stuff that you can buy at home or like some subsection of it when you say meal kit, are you talking about like you prep the food, but they give you all the ingredients like Blue Apron style, or is it that it's yeah, it's, a, it's oh, like it's like Blue Apron HelloFresh, but for restaurants that you love? Huh, that's fascinating. And they'll just send you their ingredients with instructions, and you cook it at home. 
Hmm. It's awesome. We've been really, really loving it. Um, I know that I think this is the thing that's typically happening most in metropolitan areas, right? Because depending on how they're doing it and depending on where the food's coming from, um, they have to like ship it to you, right? So you have to have restaurants that are relatively close. So like, for example, there are some restaurants that we love that we can't get takeaway from, but we can get meal kits from. Oh, that's fascinating. Right. Because, you know, you use like a, we, you know, like say like a Deliveroo or something, which I don't think is a brand that you have, but it's like DoorDash. Right. But in the Mm -hmm. UK, we have a company called Deliveroo. I've heard of it. Yeah. We can't get like meals from say restaurant A that we like. But restaurant A, if we go directly to the website, will ship us their ingredients and we'll just make the food at home. Oh, that's just stuff like that. I'm like, but anyway, uh, yeah, this is the last episode of the year. Do you want to reflect? I can't, I genuinely like, I, you know, I, 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 I know why people do it, but like, I kind of, the, the, the like meme joke of like, ah, what is time, right? Like, it's just been like a thing that has, I think, gone a little bit old at this point. Uh, in 2020, yeah. Um, I will say personally, I, I'm a little bit over that that joke. But from a serious level, not a joking level, uh, it really does feel peculiar that we're in December. You know, yeah. Absolutely. And I read something early on in the pandemic, which I found really interesting. I read an article that uh, hopefully Casey will try and find for me which stated that like we adults especially will look back on this time kind of like 2020 2021 and it will feel like it went really fast like we will look back on it and feel like oh it wasn't really that long because our brains are used to anchoring points throughout a year for things that we do and that because we haven't really done anything, we didn't take any trips, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. a lot of big events were canceled, it ends up that the time is compressed quite a lot in our memories because there isn't a lot to remember of the year that we would typically remember. So it ends up just being this really compressed time, which I think is why it feels so wild that it's December now. Because genuinely, Casey... I actually feel like it has only been like six to eight weeks since we started our lockdown in March. That's how it feels to me because I remember it so vividly. But in between now and then, I don't really have a lot of stuff that I would put a flag in and be like, well, that was a time that we'd like, you know, like I remember the occasional day here or there, right? Like birthday anniversary you know or like or something special happened but i don't have this like oh do you remember that two weeks that we spent in place a or like when we went to do that thing for a long week like all of that stuff didn't exist this year so it ends up being super compressed so we will look back on it in the future and have the gift of not remembering how much this friggin sucked interesting right It is interesting, and I both agree and disagree, because I have a slightly unique lived experience compared to that, because I remember picking up Declan from preschool on March 13th, and I remember saying to him or to Aaron, yeah, you know, you'll be back in a couple weeks. It's, it's, we're going to have to hunker down for a little while. You'll be back in a couple weeks. 
And I remember we went to McDonald's, which is his like favorite place to go. And we had a meal in McDonald's. That was our last meal in a restaurant. Um, and that was on March 13th. And I thought, oh, well, that's going to be, that's going to be that. And then preschool never came back. And then there was summer and we were lucky enough to go to the beach, um, a couple of times and we went to standalone homes, you know, that, that we ventilated for a while before we <laughs> settled in. Um, and we were, and we never ate in any restaurants then, you know, we only ever got uh, what I would call takeout, you would call takeaway. Um, and then Declan started kindergarten and then he had, has had virtual school for all this time. And so I absolutely agree that were it not for Declan, I would probably feel the exact same way, but because of Declan and because of a couple of brief experiences that we've been able to have, it does feel, it it, it feels both forever and yesterday. Like I remember vividly being in the hallway outside his classroom saying to him and Aaron, oh, you'll be back in a couple of weeks. Won't be a big deal. And, And that was yesterday. I'm not saying that these things didn't happen. But yeah, when sure. you look back at that, does that feel like it was a long time ago? It does and it doesn't all at the same time. That's the thing. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I do feel like it was yesterday. Absolutely. But yet I feel like that was an eternity ago, 10 years ago. And and time has had such a weird feeling for me personally because of that. Because so much has happened while so little is going on. I guess that's the best way I can summarize it, right? Like, so much has happened while so little is going on. And I don't know what else, like, you know, Michaela got potty trained. We moved, um, we moved from her, we moved her from her crib to her big girl bed, which is to say like, she can climb out of it now. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, stuff like that. Right. But all of this stuff would have occurred in a regular year, right? It would have, but I think the way you describe your year, which you, I think in the past would have described as, well, I went to the States. I went to, I went to New York for this. I went to Memphis for that. I went to San Francisco three times for this, this, and that. I went to Romania four times for this, 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 and this, like all of those tent poles that you would, if I were in your shoes anyway, that I, that, that you would have, or I would have in this weird scenario, if I'm you, that I would have judged my year by, I didn't have any of that, right? Like I never went to Romania. I never went to America. You know, I, I, I was just stuck in London the whole time. And so for you, I think it makes far more sense. That's the wrong way of putting it, but it, 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 I feel like if I were in your shoes, I would feel the exact same way. Like my God, I, it was yesterday that this started it, and nothing's happened since it was just yesterday because I mm-hmm. didn't travel anywhere because I didn't go on any vacations. I didn't see Adina's family. Um, and, and I think that with the exception, I guess, of the studio and the uh, podcast-a-thon, from an outside point of view anyway, it seems like your year has been, I was going to say mellow, but that's also an unfair characterization. It's been the absolute opposite to that. I don't think I've worked so hard. <laughs> See, right, that's why I knew that was wrong. This is, this is the <laughs> hardest I've worked in the last six years this year, like comparatively. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like, that's not the point. You know, it's the the point, like, I agree with everything that you're saying, but the point still remains for me. And I think for many people that I look back on, hey, there's this thing called COVID and it feels like it was weeks ago. Yeah. Yeah. And again, part of me does and part of me doesn't. And and it depends on when you ask which one I think is, is the big one, you know. Um, but yeah, it's it's been it's been a very, very odd year, to say the least. And I... And and I don't, I don't know what 2021 is going to bring. I know what I hope it brings, but I don't know what it's going to bring. And like you were saying, I'd like to come back to something you were saying a couple of minutes ago. Um, there have been a lot of changes from this year that I think have been 
I don't know if healthy is the right word for it, but good. Um, I think it's been good for my little family to invent some other ways or, or search out other ways to have fun and to do it together and Mm, to do it mm -hmm. safely without, without, without caving on what we feel is, you know, uh, what we need to do to stay safe. So the canonical example that I bring up all the time is our little car picnics where we'll go and we'll get takeaway slash takeout and we'll park in a parking lot and just eat, you know, and we eat out of the back of the car. It's stupid. It's, It's not a big deal, but we've really enjoyed that. And it's, it's been a great thing to keep us a little bit sane and, you know, we've been going to parks when possible, when it's off hours that other children aren't likely to be there. Um, we've done, you know, silly things around the house. Like we, we have a little, um, we call it a fire pit. There may be a different name for it, but basically like a, a metal cauldron that's designed to have fires made in them. And, uh, and we'll like roast hot dogs uh, on the fire pit. And that's something we'll do from time to time. And these are things that we can absolutely do forevermore. And we probably will do forevermore. And, and that's really awesome and silly stuff. Like, uh, you know, we, it so happens that Aaron was already doing like grocery pickups, which I know that you guys have done for years, but it was a relatively new thing for us where, you know, she would do all her shopping online and then go to, in our case, Kroger and park the car and call them and say, I'm here. And then they bring all the groceries out, load them in the car and then off you go. And that's the way she had been shopping anyway. But now other places other than the grocery store are allowing you to do that. Things like big box stores like Target or Walmart and and even the liquor stores are allowing you to do this. And I think some of those things are positive changes that I'd really like to see continue. Another great example here in Virginia, uh, some restaurants, I, 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 most restaurants are allowed to sell you to-go alcohol, which is a very odd thing if you think about it, but it's never been legal before. But Why I guess- is it weird? Because you're taking alcohol and putting it in a car that you're presumably driving. Oh, right. Yeah, but you can drink the alcohol and then go get in the car. Absolutely true. Absolutely true. But it just, I don't know, maybe it's... I, I understand what you're saying, but by that exact logic, no restaurant should ever serve you alcohol <laughs> unless they can prove that you didn't drive there. Yeah, you're, you're not wrong. You're not wrong at all. But, um, but nevertheless, like stuff like that, I think it's good. I think that's a good thing. Like if you want to have a fancy meal with fancy drinks, but you want to do it at home, then screw it, man. Do it at home. Why, mm. why should that not be allowed? And stuff like that, I would like to see continue. Yeah, we just have to adjust like some of our conventions, right? So Yeah, well put. Well put. Like if there's still gonna be weight stuff, they and the and they're still not gonna be paid a living wage, there needs to be some kind of mechanism for that, right? Mm-hmm. Like if you know, you're not you're not you don't have a waiter to tip. Right. But if the waiters still work on tips and you're just taking the food, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's awkward. Mm-hmm. It's like for example talking about those delivery services like again like Deliveroo has a function to apply a tip to the restaurant oh interesting Mm -hmm. right so you can you can add you can give them additional money that way or whatever yeah yeah it's it's just been it's been very very fascinating and there like I said there are definitely things that I really like about the way we've all as a society reacted to 2020 another silly example kind of along the same lines you know one of my couple of favorite barbecue joints here in town um they had just built this like beautiful new restaurant it's so lovely and um and they switched to to go only 
and online ordering only. And so what you do is you schedule a time that you would like to pick up your food and they'll either set it on a picnic table out front or, you know, they'll call across the parking lot, you know, what's your name? And you say, um, Casey lists, and then they will bring out a bag and you, you can take your food and go about your business. And given a preference, I'd rather eat in the restaurant, like, you know, all the COVID stuff, notwithstanding, but it, it is kind of nice to be able to do that sort of thing. And this, this particular restaurant, uh, a place called ZZQ had never embraced online ordering before had never embraced any sort of takeout other than like walking through the line in, in ordering it yourself. And I hope there will come a time that I'm no longer allergic to the indoors. And, and when that time comes, you bet your bottom, I'm going to be eating in every restaurant I've missed for all these months, but it is nice to have those options. Provided they're still there. Yes. Yeah, well, provided they're still there. But it's been nice to have those options for sure. All right. This episode is brought to you in part by ExpressVPN. Look, the sad truth is our data isn't always as safe as it would want as we would want it to be. No matter who you are or what sites you use, attacks leading to data leaks are worryingly common. You don't want your information, your passwords, your personal information, your credit card stuff. You don't want that in the hands of hackers, especially when, look, according to reports, your data is worth thousands of dollars on the darker parts of the internet. You're already busy. You don't want to have to worry about hackers and scammers while using your devices. I don't either, and it's why I use ExpressVPN. It is an app that funnels your data through a secure encrypted tunnel, which is a beautiful way of putting it. So no matter what device you use, you can have peace of mind every time you use the internet. The app connects with just one click. It's light and fast, and the best part of ExpressVPN is it works on up to five devices simultaneously so you and your whole family can stay protected. This is something that I use whenever I'm on a Wi-Fi network that I'm unsure about. It just gives me that additional peace of mind when I need it. Protect yourself with ExpressVPN, the VPN rated number one by CNET, Wired, and many others. If you visit expressvpn.com slash analog right now, you can arm yourself with an extra three months of ExpressVPN for free. That's expressvpn.com slash analog. One more time, expressvpn.com slash analog to learn more and sign up today. Our thanks to ExpressVPN for their support of this show and Relay FM. So Mike, how was your Thanksgiving? Well, it was very nice. I say, being what I was meaning to get to about twenty minutes ago was that <laughs> it being December means that it is the typical time for holiday season type activities. Uh, Thanksgiving has come and gone. We cooked a Thanksgiving dinner this year, which very nice. We, we've never done that before, but it was one of those things where um, I was forced to take a day off for Thanksgiving. Mm because no one was around to work with me or answer my emails or anything. So if I was going to be forced into having Thanksgiving, I may as well do the thing that people want to do on Thanksgiving, right. which is have a good meal. And we baked a bunch of things and cooked a bunch of stuff, and it was really nice. And uh, what did you do for Thanksgiving? Uh, so we um, we went to my parents, which I think was okay. I have slight qualms about, um, um, we, uh, my, my four person family and my parents are treating this more aggressively than anyone we know. Um, and so we all were extremely aggressively quarantined for a couple of weeks beforehand. And then we saw them for a little while and then we came home. Normally I wouldn't think a thing of it. Um, that because all the, the six of us, including my parents are so safe, but Things have been looking not so good here these days, and so. Do you mean where you are specifically? Uh, Virginia's been 
a little bit later on looking awful, you know, so we're, we're not as awful or weren't as awful as the rest of the country, but the country as a whole is a disaster. And so I'm hopeful that I won't eat these words either. Um, but that is what we did. Uh, and so we were there, we had a really delicious meal. Erin made her, um, her legendary apple pie, which is tremendous. I love that thing so darn much. She made some green bean casserole. Um, and there was mashed potatoes and a bunch of other stuff that, um, that my parents had purchased to go, uh, because my mom, I love her to death. She has many fantastic qualities. Uh, being a good chef is not one of them and Mm -hmm. she will admit that to you. So she ordered in most of the meal. Um, I, it was phenomenal though. It's so great for us to leave our home and go anywhere. Cause I mean, literally outside of going to stores sporadically or doctors, I don't think any of us have seen the indoors of, of another place for more than like an hour at a time since March. You know, we just don't do it. And you know, like we, when we grocery shop, we, like I said, we order it, um, to be brought out to the car. Um, there's one store, one of the big box, like, um, uh, wholesale stores that we, that Aaron will go into basically once a month, but that's about it. Like we, and doctors, like I said, we don't really go in anywhere. And so to, it, it's, it's really lovely to be able to see any other four walls. And, um, and so, yeah, that's what we did. Uh, Christmas is looking, uh, I don't want to get into it, but Christmas is looking dodgy because it's Aaron's side of the family for Christmas. And what does that mean? What does that mean? Aaron's side of the family, like you would all go there. Well, that the four of us would, would go, you know, Aaron and me and the kids would go to, um, to see Aaron's side of the family, uh, which in and of itself is great. Like normally I wouldn't think a thing of it. Um, this year it's going to be interesting because, how can I put this delicately? We, the four of us, do not share safety priorities with the remainder of the family. Yeah. And so I think there's going to have to be a really uncomfortable conversation about how we're going to make Christmas look, because I can assure you that there's almost zero likelihood that we will be gathering in someone's home with Aaron's family, because again, like our threat assessments are very different than theirs. And I know that, you know, all of them got, well, with the exception, I should make it clear that Aaron has four siblings. Um, one of her brothers has been treating this just like we have, if not stronger. Um, his wife or excuse me, his fiance, soon to be wife is a school teacher though. And she has been forced to go into school. She's not teaching kids. She's teaching, well, she's teaching them remotely, but she's still in a building. Um, and so they're doing their best <laughs> given, Oh, don't even Why? get me started. Don't even get me started. What's so the she point works, of that? Uh, this is, this is not a tangent I intended to go down, but it's fine. So, so, uh, Aaron's soon to be sister-in-law, uh, she is a middle school teacher. I think I have that right. A middle school teacher, um, in a r- pretty rural area wherein most of the school has gone back in for in-person instruction. Right. However, some of them have lingered at home. And so it was determined that uh, my future sister-in-law, Katie, she would teach all of the remote kids. Right. And so she could hypothetically do that anywhere. But apparently her administration is of the opinion that if she's not at school, she won't be working. Okay. I understand a little bit more like it's not sensible it doesn't make any sense right i thought that you were saying that like all the kids were at home but the teachers all had to go in well 
I don't know if that's the case for all the teachers at Declan's school, but I can assure you that Declan's teacher is going to school where right. she could just as well do this at home. Now, I th- suspect that this was a, a choice on her own, because actually, come to think of it, I believe his music teacher is at home, for example. But um, I, so I think she prefers it that way. I think it's a choice. But nevertheless, um, in the in the case of Katie, my future sister-in-law, she was told she may not work from home because if she does, she won't be working. Mind you, it's going to be pretty obvious pretty quick when all of these kids are saying where the crap is, is you know, Katie. Um, but nevertheless, so she's having to go into school. So mm-hmm. I, this was a tangent of a tangent of a tangent. But suffice to say, with the exception of Aaron's younger brother, the rest of the family does not agree with the safety protocols that we have put in place for the four of us. And because of that, that's going to make for a very dodgy Christmas. And we're not sure how that's going to look. We're not sure what that's going to mean, but it's going to be challenging for sure. And mm. I'm not looking forward to that in, in, in no small part because Aaron's favorite holiday is Christmas, which I know is not unique, but it's her favorite mm. holiday. And I think Declan's favorite holiday is Christmas. And I love Christmas and it's going to be very challenging to thread that needle mm. and figure out a way to perhaps see them outdoors from a distance or do something. And uh, Aaron's mom in particular is both very into Christmas as a social holiday, but very into Christmas as a religious holiday. And I think that there's going to be, I I worry there's going to be some really ugly consequences to us saying we don't want to go into somebody's house and celebrate like usual. Do you imagine there would be an outdoor celebration or would it just be that this portion of the list family does not join the family Christmas? <sighs> I don't know. I honestly right. don't know. And I, I could see it going either way. I could see it either going like, no, this is what we're doing. Get, you know, get on board or get out, which not that they're mm. mean. I'm painting them as mean. They're not mean. It's just that they think that we're, I, th- I think they think we're being bananas and we're mm. being overly uh, unnecessarily cautious. Mm. I I would hope and I suspect if I were to wager, I would suspect that it will end up that we'll see them briefly for some sort of outdoor only thing where probably the List family will have masks on. And if I were to wager a guess, it's a 50-50 shot that the rest of them will, Mm. which is not great. I mean, I don't know if that's what's going to happen. We'll see. But I don't know. I'm stressed. (laughs) I'm super stressed to say the least. What are you doing for Christmas? Let's move off of me because I'm just, I'm getting more and more worried. What's going on with you? So the main thing that's happening in our lives uh, is that we're cooking Christmas dinner for the first time. Nice. So, you know, that was one of the reasons that the Thanksgiving dinner existed was mm-hmm. because, I mean, we cook, we cook every day. Sure, sure. Um, but a meal like thanksgiving or christmas is a vastly different affair where you are effectively cooking lots of dishes to occur at once (laughs) right which is not a normal way that you you would cook because you would you know you would typically have like here is a meat or whatever if that's your bag or like a main and then your side like your, your like sides is in like you've got some vegetables and maybe you got like whatever, right? Mm-hmm. But it's very different when you're like, you've got the main meat for us, right? So we'll be doing turkey. So we did chicken for Thanksgiving because turkey oh, is the Christmas. Turkey is the Christmas thing here, right? So that's when mm. we everybody eats turkey is at Christmas. So I didn't want to do turkey. 
Because we're also, by the way, in the preparation of making the Christmas dinner. Next weekend, I think it is, or the weekend after, we're doing a trial run. Ooh, delicious. Doing the whole thing, like two, two weeks before Christmas. Like the whole turkey thing that we're going to... So basically, we are doing a very small family Christmas. Um, there will be four or five of us in line with government regulation here for how mm. uh, Christmas should be done. Um, and I'm lucky. It, so we're spending it with my brother and his wife and my mum. And we are cooking for the family. And my brother and sister-in-law, they are as careful as we are. Good, good, good. They have been working from home since March. Um, and I'm really comfortable with them. My darling mother, <laughs> a little less. So she works. Like she, she, she goes into the office and the type of job that I can hear Adina laughing in the background. The type <laughs> of job that she has, like she is around other people, and you know, she, my mom does everything she is supposed to do. And draws the line there, right? But maybe not everything she can do. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So she will do everything. She will. She she is like very much like following every single letter of the law, which is great. But I would prefer it if she would go a little bit further. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, with where she is in her life and the way. And for a selection of things that have happened in my family over the last couple of years, I do not begrudge her doing what she's doing. In a sense of like, when the restrictions allow, she will go to restaurants with her friends. Mm -hmm. This is not something I would do. Right. But she can. And she's, she is following what the government is telling her to do. And whilst I wish she wouldn't, I'm not going to tell her not to yeah, because yeah. otherwise my mom is on her own a lot and I don't like that. Yeah, that's tough. That's super so tough. So it's like you've got to find this balance, you know? Everything about this pandemic is balance. Yeah. I think. Yeah, that's well put. And whilst it makes me really uncomfortable because she's my mom and I don't want anything bad to happen to her, Mental health is incredibly important during this period of time. And I think it, it would also be really bad for her if she just locked herself away. And so, yeah. you know, we got to find this balance. And so, and, you know, she does all the things that she's supposed to. So all of this is to say, if you're thinking about like our exposure vectors, my mom is the nucleus of this for Christmas. <laughs> and we are looking into... It looks like before Christmas, there's going to be like paid for rapid testing. Oh, interesting. And if that exists, we will throw the spanner in the works of, we can't wait to have you over for Christmas. <laughs> By the go way, <laughs> you need to go and get a negative test beforehand. Yeah. No, I mean, I think that's, well, it's easy for me to say because I'm like the super worried chicken little over here, but I think that that makes perfect sense. And I don't think that's an unreasonable thing to ask and we see my mom right like we go to see my mom every mm -hmm. couple of weeks 
But the way that we are there is we've got a lot of space between us, even though we're inside and we have windows open and stuff. But coming to our place, we don't have that kind of space. Right, right. And so we will all be very, like, on top of each other for 24 hours, which we have not done for a long time. Yeah, yeah. Right? So it's just a case of, like, look, we are doing what we think is right for the health of everybody in our family, right? And if we can't get this testing stuff done, I'm not going to tell my mom she can't come over for Christmas, right? But in an ideal world, I would like for us all to get tested before Christmas so we all know we're all good and then we'll spend the holiday together without having to worry, right? That's kind of where we are, but... I will report back on our next episode as to how that whole thing went. But nevertheless, I am I'm I am excited about cooking Christmas dinner and having and also doing something that I've wanted to do for years, years, but have never had the opportunity to do and would not. It's like my one silver lining for this truly royally screwed up Christmas is that me and Adina get to spend Christmas morning on our own at home. I have wanted to do that for years, but you just can't, right? Yep. Because you're like, we're either in Romania or we're at my mom's. And like, that's just how it is. But this way, we get to just spend that together in the morning. And I just think that, that that's like the thing that I'm really looking forward to. It's like, that's my little silver lining there for how absolutely royally effed this Christmas is compared. So like our Christmas would have been about two to three times larger than this. Right. 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 And that's my immediate family. So that's where we would have been. So we, you know, we, we've paired it back an awful lot and we're having, you know, we're effectively having three separate Christmases, you know? So like me, my mom, um, my brother and sister-in-law and Adina are having one. Then my older brother, his partner and two kids will be having theirs. Mm-hmm. And then my mm-hmm. uncle and aunt and their two kids will be having theirs. Right. And that would have been one big Christmas. Sure. But it's now going to be three separate Christmases. Yeah. I mean, it makes sense. It stinks, but it makes sense. It's funny you bring up um, being at home for Christmas because um, I think it was last year, Aaron, in a rare moment, put her foot down. And I didn't argue with her, but she said, look, uh, for, for the last year's Christmas, I want to wake up in our house for Christmas because I want Declan to have Santa come visit him at his house. And that was that was certainly the way I grew up. And that had not been the way, and I think it's the way Aaron grew up, to the best of my recollection, but it was not the way we had done the last several years for the same reasons you're talking about, you know, either... Either we're at my parents, if it's, you know, a list family year, or perhaps staying at her parents potentially, or, or alternatively, you know, her family loves to do like this really big Christmas morning breakfast, which is actually tremendous. And I love that tradition, but that means we're basically got to like get out the door by eight o'clock, you know, or something like that, which is, which means it's like, okay, there's your presents from Santa. Okay. Got to go. You know, (laughs) and that just does not work well. Um, so yeah, so we did that for the first time last year and it was delightful and, Whatever happens for the List family for Christmas this year, um, that is the intention forevermore, is that we will wake up at our house on Christmas morning, just the four of us, and and I hope to stick with that. So 
I don't blame you. And you know what else feels awesome? Just like waking up at your house on Christmas. Jeez, Casey. I'm so good. This episode is brought to you by Text Expander from our good friends over at Smile. You can get ahead of your productivity for the new year with the power of Text Expander. It removes the repetition from work so you can focus on what matters most, which is getting the thing done that you want to do on your devices. Say goodbye to repetitive text entry, spelling and message errors, and trying to remember that right thing to say. Because when you use Text Expander, you can say the exact thing you want in just a few keystrokes. It's better than copy and paste, better than scripts, better than templates, because Text Expander snippets allow you to maximize your time by getting rid of the repetitive things that you type while still allowing you to customize and personalize your messages. What I really like about Text Expander is how easy it is to build the snippets. They have a really great kind of tool that in the in the app to allow you to do it. So you can type in the things that you need, but you can also easily drop in some some fields that you can add personalized messages in, including like allowing you to have drop-down fields. So you would activate the snippet and a little window will pop up. You can tap on the little drop-downs, fill in what you need, press enter, and that copy just appears in the window that you're in before. It's super, super powerful stuff. Text Expander can be used in any platform, any app, anywhere you type. Take your time back in the new year and increase your productivity with Text Expander. Listeners of this show can get 20% off their first year. Just go to textexpander.com slash podcast to learn more about Text Expander right now. Go there. You will not regret it. Our thanks to Text Expander and Smile for their support of this show and Relay FM. We skipped recommendations last time, didn't we? Well, I think we sp- skipped it a few times. Oh, unacceptable. Mm-hmm. Unacceptable. So what do you got for this month? So I wanted to recommend something which I think may continue to give people a little bit of like weird uh, catharsis during what is still a very strange political period of time, especially primarily if you're in the United States, which is the HBO show Veep. Ah, we rewatched all of Veep coming towards the end of the presidential cycle, mm-hmm. and it really helped everything feel like Veep. So, for example, oh like the press conference at the landscaping company uh-huh. just felt stripped straight out of a Veep episode. Have you seen Veep? Oh, gosh, no, I've not seen not a second of it. Oh, Casey, I really recommend it. I, uh, I don't know if I have the. Uh, that 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 wound is still I'm open. I, it has you, not stabbed over yet. It will make you feel better, not worse, because okay. it it kind of helps you look at some of the most ridiculous things occurring in politics, and you're like, this is just like a Veep episode. So one, I kind of know how it happened, and two, how the president would react in this moment. It's an absolutely sublime show. I am a huge Seinfeld fan, but Julia Louis-Dreyfus to me is the it's it's all Veep, right? That so uh, Selena Meyer, who's the her character in Veep, that is her perform that is her crowning performance. She is a better Selena Meyer than uh, she is an Elaine Bennett. Like hmm. it is absolutely perfect. She gets to show off just how hilarious she is and it's if if you watch seinfeld i've seen a few episodes um i've not seen much of it sometimes i ask you questions and i don't know why i ask them 
Uh, you know, that's not nice. I have seen a lot of television. Because I knew the answer to, Casey, have you seen what is considered to be the greatest sitcom of all time? Would be no. I've seen some of it. Thank you very much. <laughs> too busy watching Scrubs. Uh, you know, you can take Scrubs <laughs> from my cold, dead hands. <laughs> no it's a delightful it television program. Uh, anyway, I'll have to give it a shot. Okay. Anything else? Uh, I was on a big tear, and you threw me off. I'm sorry. I really recommend Veep. All right, all right. How much, how much of a commitment are we talking about? Is this one of those, like, uh, I, mm, I don't really want to talk. We just finished a television program that is adored by many, and Same I ago. did not adore it like many What did. is it? I don't want to talk about it. No, but, what um, is it? Come on. No, uh, safe mm. space. It isn't a safe space, because now <laughs> I'm going to get all... Mm. Come on. I th- did not enjoy The Office as much as everyone else did. Okay, just real quick. I just realized no one said this, but I need to correct myself. Elaine Bennis. I said Bennett. It's Elaine Bennis. You don't know what I'm talking about. It doesn't matter. I knew her name was Elaine. We spoke about this. I don't know if it was on the show or privately. And whilst I do love The Office, I understand why somebody might not like The Office. So here's the really ugly thing is I actually think the uh, the seasons subsequent to Steve Carell leaving were much better. And I no. like Steve Carell a lot. <laughs> and I know okay. that this is I know that this is officially the wrong wow. opinion. I understand that. No, no, I no, totally no. get it. I'm not it, saying but... it's wrong. I'm not saying it's wrong by any stretch of the imagination. It is just an unconventional opinion, but I understand why someone might feel that way because I think maybe your problem with The Office is Steve Carell and the show is built around him. So I don't know how someone could not like Steve Carell or his portrayal of Michael Scott. Like, I don't feel like I fully grasp it from my own (laughs) sense, but I, at the same time, can understand what you have said to me about it. Yeah, I mean, I, I, again, I understand my opinion is wrong. It's fine. No, it's your opinion. It's not necessarily wrong. I, I think the problem that was that I came to the office with 2020 sensibilities, and I think we did actually talk about this at one point. I came to the office with 2020 sensibilities, and I think in the same way that if you had come to Scrubs with 2020 sensibilities, um, you would have a very different opinion to, of it than I do. Uh, and so I didn't. I just don't think... I usually care for that like super awkward, like cringy humor. It's just not really my thing. I mm. love comedies. I love comedies. I'm like, I loved Parks and Rec. I freaking loved Parks and Rec. I might have even locked even liked 30 Rock more than Parks and Rec, which I know is also an incorrect opinion. I wouldn't say that. They're, they're, they're both very good. I think for me, I I probably put them pretty level in my opinion. So Oh yeah, it's I'm splitting hairs here. I think I could make a lot of arguments for 30 Rock being a better comedy show than The Office. We should maybe talk about that sometime. But anyways, the point is, um, I just finished The Office and it was like nine seasons of 300 episodes a season. And for the first six seasons, I personally found it to be just such a trudge. Does Aaron like it? Aaron liked it more than me. Because I was going to say, what are you doing? Well, because, well, so she is very much a completionist. I basically begged Uh, her to let us finish after like the third or fourth season and she wanted to finish it. And there's some amount of societal and social pressure for me to be able to say, I've seen The Office. I have seen all of it and I may have a different opinion than you. You know, it's one thing to be like, well, I watched three episodes and it sucked. 
that's not entirely fair. I watched mm. the entire run. And for my tastes, I actually enjoyed the, like I said, the season subsequent to, to Carell leaving, which is funny because I actually really like Steve Carell and I really enjoy pretty much anything else I can think of that he's been in. But for whatever reason, I just, it did not click for me. Um, and so when you say you should watch Veep, I bring all this up because when you say you should watch Veep, if this is another like nine season, 30 episodes a season run, I, oh, I don't know if I can handle that right now. Seven seasons? But they're HBO seasons, so they're like eight to ten episodes a season, I think. Yeah, but they're all an hour, aren't they? Um, probably. Yeah, see? So that's really 20, 20 episodes a season, so we're basically the same commitment. For seven seasons. Yeah, I mean, it's not quite as much, but... It's superb. I'm sure I will watch it at some point. I, I know I need to watch it. I've heard many people say it's tremendous. I feel like I need some something a little more easy. And I'll actually talk about um, one of my recommendations, which I think is, okay, is in this department. Um, and actually, Erin just sent me a text, real-time follow-up from Erin. Um, she said, the office wasn't good because it was racist and sexist, like deeply racist and sexist. And she said, I was walking by and heard you talk about it. And I think that's the problem I have with it. For my, and this is what I was talking about with my 2020 tastes, for my tastes, it was deeply racist and deeply sexist in ways that I'm not comfortable with. I am not saying that you have to share that opinion. I'm not saying that that if you came to it in 2003 or seven or whenever it was, it came out again. Like, I think if I were to look at Scrubs with an objective lens, which I won't because I don't want to hate it. If I were to look at Scrubs with an objective lens, you could probably say the exact same things about Scrubs. But because I have the nostalgia and the love for Scrubs that I did not have for The Office, I can look past that. And for me, I didn't have any nostalgia or love for The Office. And so I couldn't look past it. And it was just it was very cringy. I'm probably not the person to make this uh, assessment, but deeply racist and deeply sexist seems harsh. I mean, it's probably a little harsh, but it that that was the taste that I had in my mouth watching. Okay. So, and I mean, who am I to really judge what's racist and sexist? I'm a white dude, mm. but it that's just the impression I got from it, and it just made me uncomfortable. A lot of mm. it. And, and and again, once we got to the later seasons of The Office without uh, Michael Scott being the kind of racist and sexist in chief, it it got a lot better for me. Not to say that these things stopped happening, but it got better. Um, mm. But anyways, we should move on because now the internet hates me. Um, for me, some recommendations. Uh, more, to, more to the point of what we were just discussing. Um, uh, we have started watching Mandalorian finally. And I should set the stage. I I like Star Wars a no lot. No spoilers, um, please. Okay, no no spoilers, no spoilers. Um, I like the I like Star Wars a lot. I'm not like a super mega ultra fan like most people. Um, I've really enjoyed Mandalorian. Have you seen none of it, or have you seen only the first season? Absolutely zero. And I'm in a very similar boat to you, where it's like I realized uh, earlier this year I like Star Wars. <laughs> Mm-hmm. And that's kind of where it ends for me. Yep, yep same. Um, I like it. I like Star Wars more than many other like properties. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but I love Marvel movies. Marvel yeah. movies are my okay. Star Wars. I think I would probably agree with that, actually, yeah. Because it's like there's this funny thing. It's like there's nine Star Wars movies but maybe like in the you know let's in the, in the trilogies let's say let's not go on the outsides right, there right. are nine star wars movies but people seem to only agree that there's like three good ones which is like a, <laughs> an interesting thing of like how the, how good are the three good ones that you can forget the six bad ones i don't know so yeah 
I, I completely agree with this assessment. So now the internet hates both of us. Um, the Mandalorian, I will not spoil a thing. I definitely enjoy it. It's definitely um, relatively easy watching in the mm-hmm. sense that it's not like a Breaking Bad where you're on the edge of your seat every second. There are consequences, there are stakes, but there's, there's, it, it's something that I can watch and not feel like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it doesn't stress me out. Um, one thing I will say about the Mandalorian, which I don't think is a spoiler at all, is that it had a fee. It feels to me like it has a, it, it, it has a very similar feel or perhaps like motivating thing as Firefly does actually. And I don't want to say any more than that because I don't want to give anything away, but it has some Firefly esque feel to it that I did not expect. And I am very much here for. So I recommend it. It's very good. We started, we finished the first season. We just are one or two episodes into the second season, uh, which I believe is currently airing in the sense that they're releasing it, you know, once a week on Disney plus. Um, but yeah, I, even if you're not a star Wars super fan, you know, like neither of us are, uh, I, I definitely recommend it. It's, it's good TV. I'm a fan enough that like going to the galaxy's edge thing, like was amazing, really meant something to me. Is this just this funny? I like bringing it up. Like, there's this funny idea that you know it's maybe three or four movies are considered good, and you ha- and everybody draws their own four from that nine <laughs> or like twelve, depending on how you yeah, look yeah, at yeah. it. And it's just it's just like a funny thing, really. I mean, it does speak to how good the good movies are. Yeah, that that's true. They survive all the bad ones, but it is also kind of funny. It's like when you do compare it to Marvel, uh, people that love Marvel movies. I don't know, say there's like 20 of them. I think it's pretty much agreed that like, say 16 of them, 17 of them are all <laughs> really good yes, with maybe a couple that. that are like, eh. And it's just like a funny, it's like a funny thing, really. Yep, I agree with you. Uh, the other re- recommendation I have, and I'm going to go super quick, but there'll be links in the show notes. Uh, a few, maybe a week or two ago, I had solicited um, recommendations for Christmas music on Twitter. Uh, I'd done this earlier than I usually allow myself. It, I used to be a staunch December 1st person, which is today, coincidentally, as we record. Uh, over the last year or two, I've moved back to staunch after Thanksgiving person. Uh, but hashtag 2020, I basically said like halfway through November, screw it, it's Christmas time. So, <laughs> um, so yeah, so I have four recommendations of albums that I've enjoyed Um that most of which were recommendations on Twitter. I apologize. I didn't have the chance to like assemble who had recommended these, but a Ben Rector Christmas is very good. Um, That's, I don't know, kind of like modern kind of folky pop. I would say that's, that's how I look at it. Uh, An Oscar Peterson Christmas, which is very jazz oriented Christmas album. That's like 15, 20 years old, something like that. Um, The Christmas album by Leslie Odom Jr. Have you heard the good word about Hamilton? Oh my God, here we go again. Um, The Christmas album, like half of it I really enjoyed, like half of it I didn't. And then again, this by Leslie Odom Jr. Uh, And then finally, there's a new Christmas album by Pentatonix, We Need a Little Christmas, all of which I think are, um, all of these albums are worth your attention at least once through. Uh, I thought they were all pretty good. So I'm looking at this um, song whip. uh, Ah, yes. Cool whip. Uh, uh, There you go. The Pentatonix. Mm-hmm. That is a interesting group of people. <laughs> Are you not familiar with pentatonics? No, I know them, but okay. I don't think I knew what they looked like. Oh, you are missing out, son. You see, you gotta you gotta get on my Plex and look at all their uh, Christmas specials from from prior years. Yeah. Um, the so two of them 
reinvent themselves like visually every single year. Uh, Mitch in the lower left, he looks different every year. Uh, yeah, I, so I'm just going to say that I am focusing everything here on this guy in the lower left. Uh, apologies. Uh, I don't know what his pronouns are or what their pronouns are. I might be uh, I might be making an error there, but I am intrigued about this haircut. Uh, this would not be the first time that they've had a mullet, if okay. which is what it looks like is going on here. Yeah, that's uh, and and it looks like a, what I th- at first thought was a necklace, but we have an incredibly deep V with a with a little belly tattoo there. <laughs> yes, it is. It is something. Uh, so Mitch is constantly reinventing themselves, and uh, okay. Kirsten, I think, is the name of the uh, woman in the center there. Um, she also visually reinvents herself quite often. And I'm just going to say the guy on the bottom, right? Mm -hmm. He looks like he just walked in off the street, right? (laughs) Like everyone else has got something going for them. And he just looks like average white guy, right? right? Like here he comes. Um, I assume he wears a lot of checked flannel most of the time. Usually. Yeah. Yeah. I'm surprised he doesn't have a pair of glasses just to kind of like set that off. This is a, did they win? Were they like put together in some competition uh, or something? Something like that. My okay. my recollection off the top of my head is that two or three of them, I want to say it was Mitch Scott, who is the one on the bottom right, and Kirsten all went to high school together in Texas. This is right. all off the top of my head, so I might get this wrong. And then they had a different bassist who the gentleman in the upper right is. Uh, his name is uh, Matt Sully, I think. Um, and they had a different bassist whose name was Avi something or other. I don't remember his name. And he left the band uh, amicably a little while ago. But I don't remember if Avi, the prior bassist, was a high schooler with them or not. And then, um, shoot, I forget the um, the beatboxer and Chelsea name off the top of my head. Crap. Anyway, the guy on the upper left, they like found on the internet, I think, or something like that. Huh. Um, and they were like, hey, you want to do this with us? And they all went <laughs> it's on. like a Craigslist ad? Yeah, basically. Um, <laughs> and then uh, they were on like The Voice or America's Got Talent, one of right. those competition shows. I don't recall which one it was. And they ended up winning. And it's been, you know, you know they've been going bananas ever since. Yeah, it's just, I just can't get over the mullet. Yeah, it's, again, not the first time. Um, And really, if you have a means by which, and I know you do, Mike, if you have a means by which you can look up their, uh, I think they did it in like 16, 17, 18, their Christmas specials, they're good. But Casey, Plex sucks, though. I I, I quit. I quit the show. I quit (laughs) the show. It really does, though. You bite your tongue, sir. It really does. You are. You are. This is how people. This is how people feel when I like crap all over the office. It's so I? hard to use, and like the UI is a nightmare. I I I, I can't even with this. I quit and the it's show. Like, oh, if fired Casey's internet it, uh, isn't that good, you can't watch anything. That's that's patently untrue. My internet is this one hundred percent happened to me. Ah, uh, you should try again. You should try. Again. I don't want to. It's annoying. <sighs> Fine. Well, you don't. Well, you know what? Well, you don't get to enjoy the delightful tones of Pentatonix singing you Christmas songs. Let me manually manage this server of content. Well, you don't have to manage it. I do. Yeah, All you but have to then do is the sit app's terrible on Apple oh TV. Oh my God, Michael! It's oh, so bad. Me. The app you're is so me. bad. 
It's like, oh, you want to watch movies? No, 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 no. You have to go to the sidebar and select list media before you can search any of the oh movies. What we won't allow is any kind of universal search across the three servers that you're a part of. Don't even think about it. There is universal search. Oh, my God. Well, then, oh God. Casey, the way that you get to universal search is badly architected because I couldn't get to it. Or, like, if I select the movies category, it's like, here's a bunch of junk that's none of the stuff that oh, you want to see that God. we're trying to sell to you instead. Terrible. Terrible <sighs> UI. So bad. And Michael, I don't like it. I, so. You know... It's fitting that this is our very last episode of Analog, that we end 2020 <laughs> with the very last episode of Analog. I will just state for the record, I do not feel this harshly about it. I just really wanted to put you through that. God, thank you for that. I feel Merry so Christmas. good Christmas. Uh, Merry Christmas to you, too. Are we, are we done? Are we going to go any further? Are we done? What are we no, doing? No, I think we're done. Oh, God. Happy Christmas, Michael, and Happy New Year. <laughs>